I have chills right now as you're saying it. <laughs> After I've complained, I don't think I have any more complaints. I'm sure I'll come up with some. He's never sounded better, and I mean that in all seriousness. I was shook at how good he sounded. I didn't see any chemistry there, like barely any. If you think you love Hamilton and you don't know In the Heights, you need to leave. You need to, you need to go and listen to In the Heights. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're talking all about In the Heights. In the Heights, I flip the lights and start my day. This feels like an episode that we've been waiting to talk about for literally a year because that's when the movie was originally supposed to come out. Oh my goodness. I <laughs> had almost forgot about that whole scenario, how this movie was pushed back an entire year because of this pandemic. And we actually got to see an advanced screening of In the Heights. So we've seen this movie now for a couple months. Right? When, the, yeah. when this episode comes out. Yeah. In, back in April. I know we're very lucky to get to see an advanced screening. I mean, we'll talk about it, but I feel like a lot of people got to see an advanced screening of it. And then people were like, wait, how is everyone seeing in the Heights? I know. It's so interesting because obviously this year, last year has been so drastically different for the film um, community. And this was a movie that was supposed to come out June 2020 and then got pushed. It is playing the New York Tribeca Film Festival. I think it's playing a film festival in Los Angeles. So normally it's like, oh, okay, those people get to see it first because that's like, I don't know, a critic screening. No, literally there are so many online screenings for this. We saw this through a Warner Brothers um, online screening, which you've said that you've done like a couple of these in person in a normal yeah. world. You just kind of have to sign up for the right emails and you'll get you'll get notified of it this past year has been less but also more opportunities um, mm -hmm. to see movies in this way so when we saw in the heights we saw like a 6 30 screening i'm pretty sure there was also a 9 30 screening that night and then there was another screening the next week and further down the month of april and then there was a mother's day screening it's like yes it felt very readily available for a movie that was waiting for such a huge theatrical release I, I, I question the strategy of this because why are they allowing us so or why are they allowing so many people to see this for free? I know I know they, they want to create buzz around it, but mm -hmm. with a movie musical, you already kind of have a semi-limited audience. And by having everyone see it so early, you're taking away the need for people to rush to the theaters or rush to see it when it comes out. And we'll we'll see how that turns out when it when it has come out. It's also interesting. It yeah, it's also interesting because this movie is being released simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters in the states because honestly, movie theaters in the states are open and have been now for a couple months, I think. In Canada, still theaters are not open, and this was a movie that we were hoping to see at the drive-in. The drive-in is mm -hmm. also not open. Not open yet. But it is interesting because if you are sending all of these like advanced screening links around, this also deteriorates people from buying an HBO Max um, subscription. Yeah. 
So I don't, I don't really know the promo method for this. Um, it was also interesting to me, um, as I've said on many episodes, I work in media, and to to know that the embargo was lifted on critic reviews the day of the advanced screening is like kind of unheard of. It's so a early. Two, it was two months in advance that people could read reviews about this movie, and that was confusing to me as well. But alas, we have seen it. We are here to talk about it. And before we get into the actual movie, um, Let's talk a bit about our relationship with the musical. So, Steph, why don't you start us off? Well, my first relationship with the mu- with the musical was one of my best friends saw it on Broadway, not with the original cast, but she saw it with Corbin Blue, starring as Isnavi. And an icon. She, an icon. <laughs> we, we love him. Um, and she came back and told me about it. And I had also seen the Tony performance of 96,000. And with those two things for a while 96,000 was the only song I knew from In the Heights and then just you know one more song at a time crept its way onto my playlist until Mm -hmm. the entire cast recording was there and now it's uh, a great making dinner cast recording you know (laughs) you put you put the headphones in and you just dance to Carnaval del Barrio or you stir the risotto or something you know (laughs) So it's just like it's a it's a really fun cast recording. So it's one that's easy to go back to um, a lot because it's just like party music. Mm-hmm. So the first time I had heard of In the Heights was I was in New York. Um, I don't even know what year it was, but I had tickets to um, Regis and Kelly and Jordan Sparks was singing Breathe from In the Heights, which was obviously during her run as uh, Nina. And as soon as I heard that song, I was like, what is this musical? And Breathe has been one of my favorite songs since hearing it for the very first time. And then I guess like you, I started to listen to a couple more here and there. Um, I will say I am not super, super familiar with the entire story until seeing this movie. And after seeing the movie, it's like, okay, I want to go back and listen to the Broadway cast recording. I also want to listen to that movie cast recording because some of those performances are really amazing, which we'll get into when we talk about performances. But it was also the... um, rise obviously of Lin-Manuel Miranda um this was his first musical I'm pretty sure he started working on this like in 1999 as part of a university paper so this is obviously a huge like passion project of his and to know that the musical and the movie were so many years in the making I really do think that you can see a lot of like his heart um on the screen so yeah This musical is very tied into, I think, Lin-Manuel Miranda's identity, like his place in writing musical theater music. It it, it feels very close to who he is as a, I don't know, as an artist. Like this is kind of his thesis statement and everything else that he writes builds upon what he Mm -hmm. got across with this musical. So I actually watched this morning the PBS Great Performances um, in the Heights Chasing the Broadway Dream, I think is what it's called. Um, It is, I think it was released last summer on PBS. Um, It is readily available on YouTube for anybody that wants to watch it. Um, I highly recommend it if you want to learn more about the behind the scenes of getting the show to Broadway and its opening night. And... This was a musical in 2008 that won four Tony Awards, including Best Musical. It was nominated for 13. Um, It was also a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. It won Best Musical uh, Recording at the Grammys. So 
even though I wasn't super familiar with it in 2008, it was very beloved by critics um, during that time. And it had like a decent life on Broadway. It closed in 2011. And then obviously the rise of Hamilton happened. And I feel like In the Heights kind of got pushed aside. But I also think that there are many people that have seen both properties that would tell you that In the Heights is a better hip hop musical than Hamilton. There, There's a lot of... I, there are things in... I knew Hamilton better and then kind of got to know In the Heights better. Mm-hmm. And there are things that I hear in In the Heights that are like, oh, this is such a clear reference or such a clear like style that Lin-Manuel has. And even like clear like themes that go over both. But I just remember someone saying, I can't remember who, being like, if you think you love Hamilton and you don't know In the Heights, you need to leave. You need to, you need to go and listen to In the Heights because yeah. if you think you love Hamilton, like that has everything plus in the heights mm-hmm. has everything plus everything hamilton has plus more yeah um, i think like the major difference not the major difference but in the heights i think teaches you how to listen to a hip-hop musical whereas hamilton kind of throws you into the deep end right away mm-hmm. in the heights will take singing breaks or breaks for a chorus much more often than hamilton does hamilton just We'll like wrap that whole opening number. Whereas, you know, the opening number of In the Heights, they do it. And then, you know, okay, now we're gonna have a little dance break. So you, yeah. your mind gets a little bit of a break. And maybe that's kind of uh, an easier way to process the information or to translate it to the audience than Hamilton does. No, it, it is true. And it is funny to me that um, everyone sort of classified Hamilton as the only hip hop musical. And it's like, no, 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 guys, this other musical existed before it. Lynn wrote Hamilton in the same style that he wrote his other musical, he has a very specific style. And to say, this is the first hip hop musical when this man literally has other musicals, including the great Bring It On, the musical. (laughs) Which also features some rap in that score. Yeah. I, when, like knowing Hamilton as well as I do, like the cast, that cast recording, and then going back and listening to Bring It On, I I hear him in that cast recording. It's yeah, I hear his voice. It's like not him singing, but his like authorial voice. I hear in that musical. In the mm-hmm. like, I you can tell because it was co-written. Like him and Tom Kitt like took turns on songs based on what characters were singing them, and I can always like know exactly which ones he wrote and which ones he didn't because yeah. like he, his voice is so strong. Which I think... Not his singing voice, his writing voice. (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll We'll get to that. But um, no, I agree with that. I think his overall voice is definitely heard, obviously, so much in this musical, more than I think any of his others. I do think that Usnavi was probably written a little bit for him. Um, I know that he wrote this because there was not enough representation for Latinx performers in um, on stage. And obviously, we're still having these conversations now off stage um, as well. So this is a musical, as I said, that is like full of his heart. And um, the road to Broadway was difficult, but the road to actually getting this movie made was a lot more difficult than I knew. So in 20, in 2008, um, after In the Heights had won the Best Musical Tony, I think Universal optioned the script to make a movie. And it was supposed to be directed by Kenny Ortega, which would have been a whole different movie, but we love Kenny Ortega, and I think his style could have also worked very well on this. It's interesting to think about him and not be able to see, like, the finished product. 
yeah, you know, we know Kenny Ortega best probably from the High School Musical series. And so there's something very shiny about those movies. And I think there's something very shiny about most of what Kenny Ortega directs. And because mm-hmm. he comes from, you know, uh, a dance background, but also just his style is shinier. And I, I actually do think John Chu kind of has a bit of a shiny style as well. But there's like just like a slight more of an edge to what John Chu does than to what Kenny Ortega yeah. does. And so this movie was ultimately dropped by Universal because I believe they wanted a bankable star like a Jennifer Lopez to lead it. And this it, was before the name of Lin-Manuel Miranda was was enough to sell it on. Yes, exactly. And then Wait, who was Jennifer Lopez supposed to play? I so I'm pretty sure Nina's mom? No, I think Nina. Like, the goal of the movie, and I think the original goal of the musical, was to make Nina the star, which is so interesting now watching this movie and seeing how seeing what much they did Nina, to Nina is not in it. But um, there are articles about even when the show was trying to get to Broadway and how Nina was dropping out of school, and it was like, well, why is she dropping out of school? Is she pregnant? Does she do drugs? Like, what's the reason? He was like, no, why does a woman need to be pregnant to drop out of school? Like, yes. we don't need this. The, the so. stakes of just struggling with school were enough. It didn't have to be all these outside forces. The stakes, the internal stakes were enough, which is a problem I have with the musical because the stakes are different. The problem I have with the movie because they took, they made the stakes different in the movie. Yeah. So I would imagine that someone with a big name as Jennifer Lopez being attached to that sort of character, they would have 100% changed that storyline. And Nina definitely would have dropped out of school because she got pregnant. I don't believe you. Jennifer Lopez looks amazing. She looks younger than I do. I know, I know that's what, 13 years ago? Um, she was still like in her, in her late 30s. 30s. Yeah. Okay. She's not playing a 20 year old. Sorry. I, I don't she know. She's a queen. She is an icon. She is ageless, but <laughs> no. Okay. We've learned, we know now not to put older people to play teenagers. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was that whole thing. And then the uh obviously no one really cared about in the heights um in between 2011 and 2015 because it just wasn't as popular as it was after it won that tony award and then when hamilton came onto the scene it was like oh who's this lin-manuel miranda oh yeah we had optioned this script years ago now he's super um popular because of hamilton and like this show is taking off in mainstream media um which in the heights didn't take off in mainstream media at the time and it's like the biggest worldwide phenomenon let's throw out all what of other these projects names. does this guy have what, exactly. what's already in the can we don't need to wait for him to write something new he's already got this project right so then it was like picked up by the weinstein company which was very short-lived because um kiara who wrote I believe it was the book. Kiara had said in 2017, I am not working with Harvey Weinstein, which props to her because she was ahead of the yeah, game. I know, <laughs> I know they fought to they fought to take it out of the Weinstein company's hold. Yeah. And then when the script became available again, it came across John Chu and he said, yeah, like, let's do this. And he had been working on Crazy Rich Asians and it seemed like a, a really good fit. There was a moment... I mean, I, I mean, I've seen all the Step Up movies. I know what John Chu can do. Um, 
Never forget also his uh, directing on Justin Bieber's Never Say Never. I have never seen Never Say Never. I should correct this at some point. He also, I've talked about this before, but he also was involved in the creation and direction of a web series called The Legion of Extraordinary Dancers, which mm-hmm. I think he pulled up a lot of people from Step Up in that. And the one of the choreographers of that series, Christopher Scott, is the choreographer of the In the Heights movie. Um, and I was like, watching this movie, I was like, I recognize some of these like, movement phrases and I was like oh Christopher Scott I know exactly who that is so he he's good at directing like a big dance number so it's a good fit um but there was like one moment in the movie where they go to Nina's dad's house or Abuela's house apartment to make food and there's a shot of the food and it reminded me of in Crazy Rich Asians where they go to the food market and I'm like Mm. oh this man like just the way he shoots this ethnic food that's like lovingly prepared and like the way he uses that food to represent culture that was like a moment where I saw the connection between these two movies. I saw the the like string connecting them and that string was John Chu. Yeah. I think the other obvious for me at least connection of like Crazy Rich Asians to In the Heights is the color. Both of those mm. movies are so super colorful in like the best way possible. Um this is like super prevalent specifically in In the Heights when Nina is or not Nina, sorry, when Vanessa is singing It Won't Be Long Now and she's running through the streets and there was like the scarves fabric. and blankets and fabric and it was Stunning, And I was like, this is very Crazy Rich Asians, like the wedding scene. Everything is like super colorful. They use these moments of like magical realism in this movie. You know, it's mostly realistic, but there are elements that are slightly fantastical that add to the add to it being a musical because the music already makes it a fantasy element, already makes it beyond reality. So mm-hmm. to add these little elements like the bolts of fabric running down the side of the buildings it it just added to that magicalness but it, and it wasn't something that happened during speaking scenes but only during these musical scenes where where would they add like an extra little colorful element or animation or whatever sometimes mm-hmm. successfully sometimes not successful successfully yeah and i think we can get into that more when we talk about specific songs um but overall what are your thoughts of this movie overall there were parts of this movie that i really loved and parts of this movie that were very, like, meh. Mm-hmm. And so overall, I think this movie gets, like, a B plus to me. I would agree on that. Um, after reading all Is that too of, high? Maybe, maybe a B. I think B. B. Maybe B, yeah. Um, I think after reading the critic reviews and going back to the Broadway boards and reading about how everyone had this, like, magical experience at In the Heights, and I'm sitting here being like, I thought it was good, but not fantastic. I was like, Is the, did I miss something here? To me, this movie was very long, and it felt long there was second half dragged the second half yeah and there was a lot of in between um these great grandiose musical numbers like static and i'm like okay like let's move it on let's cut some lines here we got to keep this going that's always the problem with musicals it is especially on screen because on stage there is a certain uh pacing Mm -hmm. there's always something moving on stage usually whether it's a set or the, the, just the way lines are delivered is quicker or louder, but in movies, they let ha- they let scenes have time to breathe, yeah. which is good for acting, for storytelling, but when you're contrasting that to these like really high-energy musical numbers, the contrast is too much, and it, it messes with the pacing, and it messes with the energy of or the tone of the entire piece. Mm-hmm. 
this movie was like what uh almost two and a half hours yeah it was long it's two plus yeah. hours it felt very long and they also which again we will get to they cut many songs Lots and it was songs. like for what like what did you put in there that made you cut all of these songs because i didn't need it whatever it was well i think a lot of songs were cut for they kind of switched around the narrative to you know when when musicals on stage have a two-act structure and then you know your movie only is one extended act you know not everything fits in the same place which is fine mm-hmm. but a lot of the stuff I they cut, I was like, I don't understand why they changed this, or I don't understand why this was cut. Mm-hmm. And as devastated as I am about Sunrise being cut, I also understand why it was cut, but I am still devastated about it, and I will never <laughs> get over it. So how do you say help me? How do you say promise me? It's also something because we were texting a bit during watching this movie and there had been no announcements prior to the movie that there was going to be cut songs. Unlike The Prom, we had heard rumors of the acceptance song. Oh, no, we did not know about the acceptance song. I did song not know cut. that. I was in shock. Not that one. But we had heard rumors that there were either like tightening up songs. Shortened, shortened things. Yeah. Um, just to let the movie not be super long, but... What was it? Like six songs that were cut in this movie? Okay, I, I have the list here. The list here is Inutil, which is a song from uh, Kevin Rosario. Uh, Sunrise, devastating the Benny and Nina duet that's usually at the top of Act 2. Hundreds of, sto- hundreds of Stories, a um, Abuela and Usnavi number. Enough, which is a Nina's mother, who is uh, R.I.P. dead in this movie. Yeah. Um, Attention, which... I can't remember what that song's about. And uh, Everything I Know, which is uh, a Nina song talking about her relationship with Abuela. Um, Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. So of those, the one I'm most upset about being cut, besides obviously Sunrise, is uh, actually, shockingly, Hundreds of Stories, a Abuela Uznavi song. There's There's a line in that song that says, where Abuela says, maybe they said it somewhere else in the movie, but I don't remember it where Abuela says to Usnavi, find your island. And then in the finale, Usnavi sings, I found my island, I've been on it this whole time. And it's like, that second line now Means isn't nothing. referring back to anything, you know? It's like, what does it mean when you take out that original moment? And maybe I missed it in the movie, but that entire song was cut, and I don't remember it. And when I was hearing him say that line in the finale, I was like, does the audience understand what it means to find your island you know think of the hundreds of stories we'll create you and i i will find your island i find your island whatever we do with you and I. Yeah, 
No, that's very true. And I I do think that there is a lot of Abuela Claudia in this uh, movie, also reprised by um, Olga, who played the exact same part on Broadway, which is amazing that she got to reprise her role. And She's so young. To I know. Like, I was like... <laughs> I was this this casting. I mean, she plays it wonderfully, but she is so young to be playing a boiler, and she was even younger, you know, thirty years ago in two thousand eight when she was playing yeah. it. And I'm pretty sure she played it the whole time. I think yeah. she was there for three years on Broadway. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's such a great um, callback casting, like a fantastic choice. And I do think that she has a lot to do in that musical. Um, but a lot of these songs are either sung with her or they're about her. So to get rid of that, it does feel like it takes away, like, yes. almost a major story point. Even everything I know, which is Nina singing about how Abuela was such an important, after Abuela's died, after she was such an important member of the community, how she was always there for her, how she was, you know, helping her study for things and talking about her story, having come from, uh, I think, Cuba and creating this life and then she Abuela didn't have children of her own um, but the way that she was Abuela to the entire neighborhood Mm -hmm. they they just kind of like expected us to know that a lot of that instead of having Nina tell us about it and tell us about her relationship with Abuela I mean let's talk about that let's talk about the really no performance of Nina in this movie like Nina is really nowhere to be found at all cut a lot the Nina Benny storyline I needed more from it so you you get Nina she comes back she sings breathe beautiful stunning um there's a line in the original cast recording of the musical and the original musical where she says you know what will my parents say and then in the movie she didn't say that i know and this and i is... was like i was like wait what's going on <laughs> Especially... i'm like well i guess her mother's dead sure but the the they changed why she dropped out of college yeah so that it wouldn't have made sense and i was like i don't like this straighten the spine smile for the neighbors everything's fine everything's cool Standard reply, lots of tests, lots of papers. Smile, wave goodbye, and pray to the sky. Oh God, how do I dare to say? Can I go and say? I know that I'm letting you stay. Yeah, I also think Breathe is one of those songs, again, as I said, I love this song. I think it is such a relatable song for so many people. And when you change the narrative of those lyrics, it no longer becomes relatable. And it's hard. It's like it doesn't it doesn't give you that same feeling that you get when you listen to it on the original cast recording and then you see it in the musical. And as you said, I think Leslie Grace, who plays Nina, does a fantastic job in this song. However, we don't really know what else that she can do because we never get a chance to see it. In the original musical... She, there's all these expectations on Nina Mm -hmm. to do well. She's the one who got out. And so she has the entire barrio's expectations, the entire neighborhood's expectations on her. And then when she gets there, you know, she was used to being the smartest girl in the room and she gets there and she realizes everyone around her is smart. It's not so 
easy. Not that she didn't work hard before, but it's much harder than she expected. And she kind of has to go home with her tail between her legs being so embarrassed. Whereas this time when she leaves, it's because people are being racist towards her, which mm-hmm. also bad. And I and I get why they changed it, but I feel like it just made it... I, I, I think that original story had has much more like emotional impact. I mean, this is me speaking as a white girl. I don't know. Um, But it, that the like internal struggle is much more interesting for me to watch than the external struggle. Yeah. I, it, it was a choice to change that storyline. Again, I don't think we get enough of her character to really even understand how she feels about any of it we get like one conversation with her and her dad at the restaurant when he like tries to find a different way to get her back into school and then we get another mm-hmm. conversation when everyone is over at is it the abuela's house abuela's I think house. It is. yeah yeah um having dinner and she doesn't want to talk about it because it's brought up in front of like all of her friends everyone. and family and then that's it we never talk about it again and I don't know. It just felt strange to me. But I do want to talk a bit about the um, Nina-Benny relationship, specifically also Benny, because shout out to Corey Hawkins for an amazing performance that, again, we get, like, nothing of him. And sadly, because when he started singing Benny's Dispatch at the beginning of the movie... I love Benny's Dispatch, one of my favorite songs. I was like, who is this guy? He has such an amazing voice. He is, like, so charming. He is so cute. And then... We literally never see him again. One of my favorite ones on the original cast recording, Chris Jackson singing Benny's Dispatch. Mm-hmm. It's, also, it's also one of those things that, like, we know Chris Jackson and the talent mm-hmm. of Chris Jackson, and to have yeah. someone that. The charm. That, like, let. Uh, gave us what we wanted and like reached mm-hmm. those expectations and then to mm-hmm. literally, like, cut a lot of his part out of it. Wh- like, why? Why did we do this? Yes. The, I've talked about Sunrise and how much I love it before. And I think you're missing that like development of their relationship you know you know that they knew each other when they were young when they sing when you're home and then you know they kind of um kevin rosario sells the rest of the taxi dispatch to pay for nina's college so patrick page she tells it to patrick page obviously (laughs) so everyone's out of a job so then nina and benny kind of fight about that even though it's not really nina's fault and then I don't know, the next time you really see them together is when the sun goes down, when they're, she's getting ready to go back to school. And he's like, well, I'll see you in California. Um, but, but there's no like development of it. And I know there's history between them, but we didn't see that history. So I need to see something on screen. That song didn't feel earned to me at all mm. because I knew nothing. There was like a time jump before. It's like two months later. Yeah. Like, okay. And- and also, that was a very, very heavily movie musical moment of them, like, singing on a brick wall upside down. I, I liked it. <laughs> um, I thought it was too movie musical for me, and I normally I love the campy movie musical there, aspect. There was a little bit that reminded me of, um, like, West Side Story in that moment. For me, mm. like, the, I, the visual of West Side Story is 
um, Tony going to see Maria, like, at the fire escape. And when they were climbing on the fire escape, and then they, like, one of them just, like, steps onto the wall. They're, like, climbing yeah. on the walls. My parents did not really care for the wall thing. But I was like, I like this. You know, it's, it, a, it's a leap, a bold chance. And I think it was maybe a opportunity for them to be like, here's this romantic number because we gave you no ra- romance between the yeah. two of them. Where's the so build up? Where's the enjoy. build up? But yeah, I just don't think that that song was earned for me. And honestly, because we didn't get any of the relationship, I don't really know why that song was kept in, especially because we do not see them for the rest of the movie after that moment. Okay, that is the most bizarre thing ever. The finale. Where are they? They, they're the not stars there. of the show too like they're the co-leads I, I just consider the show having maybe five lead characters and everyone else is supporting actually I don't know but I consider actually maybe Usnavi and Nina to be my lead characters in and this then, movie like, though no. no Vanessa bumped up to lead whereas I usually consider her you know like a second lead you know yeah um, I also so much Vanessa I also think let's take away the Nina and Benny relationship. Like, where was the Benny Usnavi relationship? Because we also didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, we need more of them being bros. Um, yeah, we get it like a little teeny bit in ninety six thousand, but that's mm-hmm. it. And if you watch um, again this PBS Great Performances video, they show <laughs> many clips of the um, original Broadway cast on stage. And obviously we know like Chris Jackson and Lynn are friends. So to watch their dynamic was great. But I also think that Anthony and Corey Hawkins like would have had a really great dynamic. Mm. We just like, again, it's, they gave us a taste and it was like, oh, I like this. And then it was ripped away and you don't get to they, see the rest. They sacrificed, they sacrificed a lot of things from the original musical. And the movie was longer, felt longer, but I'm not quite sure what it was replaced with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was like, I, I couldn't quite grasp what was new. Um, so it was it, it, lots of interesting choices. I don't know. Okay, let's talk about Vanessa. Can we talk about Vanessa? Yes. Um, so Vanessa, also we should say both Nina and Vanessa, um, they, com- they went the complete opposite route of what Universal wanted to do with a well-known actor. Mm-hmm. Both of these are pretty, I mean, to us, unknowns. Yeah. I've never heard of either of these women until this moment. I think they both did a good job. I think they're both yes. fine singers. Um, it is very difficult when your original cast is Manny Gonzalez and Karen Olivo and... We know those voices are unmatched. Yeah. So, um, as I said, Nina played by Leslie uh, Grace and Vanessa played by Melissa Barrera, I think is how you say her last I name. I would say Barrera, yeah. Um, but yeah, Vanessa, co lead. <laughs> Why was she in so much of this movie? I, like, I don't know how to describe it pro- properly. She felt like it felt like they were throwing the focus onto. Usnavi and Vanessa as the core love story of the movie, not Benny and Nina, which is what I always consider the core love story of the mm-hmm. of the musical. musical. What's kind of charming about the musical to me is that Usnavi is trying to figure out whether to leave or to stay. And the movie frames it as, well, he's got to stay because Vanessa's here. Whereas I like that it's like he the possibility of Vanessa is just one of the many reasons to stay. Right. It's like, you know, at the in the finale, he says, I'm stepping to Vanessa. I'm getting a second date. He's not saying this is Vanessa's the love of my life. He's like, I'm going to stay and I'm going to see where it goes. I'm going to see what happens. 
And maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. I'm going to stay and work at what's here and not abandon it. Whereas in the movie, it's like he's got to stay because Vanessa has to make her fashions and also their soulmates. And I was like, we don't know if they're soulmates yet. You know, <laughs> there's a possibility. And then... Also, hang on. I'm getting that, heated. That fast fashion was what really was fast. That? It was <laughs> ugly. It was ugly. And that was weird. The champagne. <laughs> Oh, I love champagne. I the song champagne. But the Moe. Neither of them could afford the Moe. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, this is fancy champagne for her to bring for him. I actually love that song. I love that like flirting, but also when they're saying nothing but saying everything to each other, where she's trying to talk to him and he's like, I think Sonny's got the cups. (laughs) (laughs) But like how do you get this gold shit off, you know? I I understand them making um, Usnavi and Vanessa's relationship more of the focus than Nina and Benny. To me, I didn't see any chemistry there. Like, barely any. We 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 got them together, but, like, not really. So when he literally is, as you said, the premise of the movie sort of, or musical changes that he stays, like, really only for Vanessa, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't really get it. Like, she's kind of ignored you all of this time. Like, she's played hard to get. You're both playing so hard to get. Like, guys, just tell each other that you're into each other. Come on. Mm-hmm. But it was, like not really that romantic and like as lovey-dovey as it should have been for him to literally throw everything away for her i don't know i i didn't get it i didn't feel that and if they had left it as you know maybe the possibility of vanessa but the way that the movie framed it it's like vanessa is the one and usnavi's got to stay for her or anyway that's how i read it it was odd can we talk about this framing device also where he was telling the story to the children I liked that. I thought it was sweet. No, get out. <laughs> get out. I was and so confused. I will say, though, the, the, casting, hat, though. The, hat. the casting of their daughter, very yeah. good. She it's looks good. like Anthony. Yeah, she, she looked like that. She looked like that. I was like, that's cute. Um, I, I just didn't like it. I was confused. I was really confused about this. I, and then at the end where you realize that the mural that... Um, uh, graffiti Pete painted in the in the bodega is what's been behind him, not the actual beach. I'm like, okay, I get it, but also like I didn't hate it. <laughs> I really did. I really hated it. I really hated it. I don't know why it really bothered me. Um, That's interesting. Like, the way they tried to age up Anthony. No. <laughs> um. Yeah, I. Liked it because I didn't expect it. And I feel like that was one of the only things that felt unexpected to me is when they, like, turned that camera, made it into a wide shot. And you see that this little, like, beachy corner is actually in the store. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind that they changed the mural from, like, a full face of Abuela to being of the island in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Like, because he'd spent the whole movie trying to get back there. And instead, what he needed to do was, like, bring that a piece of that to him but I, I I just didn't like the framing device of it I didn't my biggest question while watching this movie was what were the permits like for the streets of New York <laughs> like I really need to so know much street dancing well let's let's talk about something we loved right okay I will say when this movie started and we get this opening number I was like this is a perfect movie it's going I to cried. be perfect like it is phenomenal the opening sequence 
Incredible. Let's talk when about they, the moment that you and I both are obsessed hit, with. When they sang In the Heights for the first time, I literally had like tears coming down my eyes. Yes, the moment we're both obsessed with. This, I, it, when Usnavi is looking out the window. Yeah. And in the reflection of the glass, you see the dancers, like hundreds of dancers dancing in the streets. I have chills it's right now just, as you're saying it's it. Such a gorgeous shot. A gorgeous shot. A gorgeous way of like... Even just representing, you know, he is a part of this community. He is in the bodega. He spends every day there. And outside him is this wonderful, vibrant world full of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, beautiful, stunning shot. Nothing matched the heights of that opening number. No, it was legitimately, I have no other words to say than it was, it was a perfect, perfect opening yes. number. And unfortunately, I think it set the standards very high for the rest of the movie because it was like, oh man, we're going to get these like huge choreographed numbers, this like great, Anthony's dancing in that opening number fantastic did not know that he could dance like that i was like oh he's dancing he's doing the choreo yeah we'll we'll talk about anthony a bit later because i think he deserves his own section in the performance aspect of this movie but that moment amazing and i do think i was let down by the rest of the movie and it not matching the um energy of that opening number i do think the finale was also really great and i think a moment (laughs) That Where we th- was Benny and Nina in the well, finale? Well, yes, we know. But, um, and I think a moment that we all thought was going to be incredible was 96,000. And I have some issues with that number. Why was it on a pool? Yeah, like, honestly, I also watched this movie with my parents, and my mom was like, wait, was there a pool on stage? I'm like, no, <laughs> there was I, no pool. Look, I understand in the Heights, the opening number takes place as a big street number. And the finale in, takes place in as the a big... Heights, right? In the Heights, right? Like, yeah. The finale takes place as a big street number. And 96,000 is not that far after in the Heights. So I know they don't, they probably just don't want two big street numbers back to back, like, and have them feel repetitive. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's really hot. Where can we get, where can we collect everyone together when it's really hot? The community pool. Except people are answering their cell phones in the pool, okay? I'm <laughs> like, what's going on? Also, something that you had messaged me while watching was, why do all of these people have their lottery tickets at the pool? Yeah, it's like, that's staying at home, you know, in a safe, okay? That God forbid is... it gets wet and you can't read the numbers. <laughs> yeah, they're pulling their lottery ticket out of their pocket from the pool. Why is it in your swimsuit pocket? Also that and all of these bathing suits have pockets? Like, sign me up. Yes, <laughs> yes like, it, it just, uh, the the song in the Heights has, or the song 96,000 has, like, such a good rhythm to it, as mo- all this musical does. And I wanted 
dancing on floors. And I know they did, you know, they have those great overhead shots in the pool, but I just was like very disconnected in this location. And they also had a really weird angled shot of, I think, Anthony. He's like yes. half in the pool. Yeah. And like from the, the bottom down looking up at him. And I'm like, why are they doing that? Why did they do this to him? The other thing too about that song, because it does slow down um, towards the end before it like picks up again. And they chose yeah. to do that slow down scene underwater which i think is kind of cool but also like why (laughs) like why did this happen and the thing that i really did not care for in this number was the animations that were added off the top when they're walking in the street towards the thing the golf club the backpack the one it doesn't really make sense and two we don't see any of those animations ever come up again in the rest of the movie a little bit in uh, when you're home the like subway map when you can see the train moving but i didn't like that either so yeah that to me feels very campy movie musical a little, like, and it cheap like cheap animation and like, it, it also felt... took me out of the moment i was like mm. what the f- only thing i could think about was why is this happening because it's distracting yes. <laughs> And I understand, you know, it's probably in the same family of ideas as the bolts of fabric coming down or them walking on the walls. But there's some there's a difference between something that looks animated versus something that looks real and is just slightly out of place. Mm-hmm. Which, um, again, those sort of scenes and um, even blackout with the fireworks like that didn't feel love. cheap to me. Love. That felt great the scene which i don't really want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen but everyone will know when they see it the scene with abuela and all of the colors that fantastic do you know what i'm talking about in yes um pa- paciencia y fe the song yeah. she sings um right after the blackout i really liked what they did kind of with that it was a fantasy sequence of her kind of like walking through her life or walking through her life in in the heights um and i i thought that was really well done too so in that, in thinking of that and the way that they were able to portray fantasy in that way without it feeling cheap, I was like, well, why do we have to do this for 96000 But then obviously my mind went immediately to, well, John Chu is also directing the upcoming Wicked movie, which is actually with Universal, interestingly enough. Mm. And all I could think about in all of these super colorful scenes is like how amazing Emerald City is going to look in the Wicked <laughs> oh, movie. Oh, Emerald City gorgeous. You know, it's <laughs> funny. When they announced that John Chu was directing the Wicked movie, all I could think of was like, In the Heights must be really good. Oh, yeah. And I think for the most part it is. But after we just spent like a long time complaining about it. But I was like, oh, the people who've seen In the Heights must love it. Well, but, you know? but I do think his overall style is very good and i think it suits both movies i really do think that his style of the wicked movie i'm i'm so interested in it specifically again for like the fantastical moments we know all of the spells that take place i honestly hope they bring some of that like dragon aspect into the movie because Mm. it's so iconic in the theater but seeing the elements of this movie and certain ones that I really love, like the fireworks, like the fabric, I'm very excited to see what he does with the fantastical elements of Wicked, specifically because Wicked is obviously straight up a fantastical. Full straight up fantasy world, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, has he done a, a full fantasy world movie before? He did like a Terminator or like a G.I. Joe or something. Yeah, but those ones know. like can kind of... That's different. Go on real life, even though they're so yeah. It, not. That looks like more grun, like dirtier, grungier. I don't remember yeah. exactly which movie he directed. I, but I really hope the colorfulness really comes out in that wicked movie because 
there are so many different locations that it takes place in and i really Mm. want the difference of like shiz and oz to be present i also think just like in terms of um the wizard of oz in general and how many years ago that movie was made but how vibrant that emerald city is like there's already something to live up to yeah i i agree i think i trust john chu with the visuals of this movie we've said this we're standing by it I want 18-year-olds in this cast. <laughs> we're playing we're playing college students here, you know? The that's the age 18 they are. to 21 is my cap. Yeah. I think you shouldn't be older than t- honestly 21. We we've seen the Dear Evan Hansen trailer. Like we don't need it. <laughs> I I agree. I want to see college-age people playing Alphaba, Galinda, Fiero, um all of like those characters. And then I think yeah. I want you to like star cast the like morable wizard Dillamond, like go nuts. If Stanley, Stanley Tucci, Tucci is not in that movie, wizard. if Stanley Tucci is not in the Wicked movie, I, I'm gonna throw we sue. hands. Okay, like <laughs> we sue, we sue. Um, totally, totally. You will be speaking to my lawyers. Okay, and um, it's yeah. He like he is the wizard, and nobody else. I do not want to see him as Doctor Dillamond. We want to see him as the wizard. <laughs> Did we put it on the record here that I want an Audra Morble? I think maybe. That's great, but um, it's going to be Meryl, and that's No, I really don't think it's going to be her. I think that that character is way too similar to the witch from Into the Woods. Who We've is seen her. Pl- who is James Corden going to play? No. If John <laughs> Chu knows what's best for him, he stays away from James <laughs> he keeps, Corden. He keeps James Corden as far away as possible. You know, we've been teased about a Wicked movie for a long time. I know. I don't know if it's a good thing or not a good thing, but... I've never felt closer to it actually happening than when John Chu was announced to direct it. I was like, this man gets things done. Exactly. Okay, we are, I trust this man to at least bring something to the theaters. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but it will will exist. As someone, we all know, I'm like a huge fan of Wicked. I feel like I'm going to walk in with low expectations and hopefully be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so in 96,000, I do think, again, that song is like fantastic. It's super fun. Everyone, I think, in this movie sounds really good on it. Again, yes. like Corey Hawkins gives me more. I don't have issues with anyone's vocal performance in this movie. I really don't. I don't have issues with, I think it was fine. I think yeah. the women were fine. The woman that was super standout, like stellar performance. Yes, let's talk about Miss Daphne, Daphne Rubin Like, <laughs> that was a left field a for star, me. A star, <laughs> um, a star. Obviously, a star was born with Daphne Rubin Vega. Obviously, she is the original Mimi from Rent. That is her, like, claim to fame. I just think that, like, she wasn't acting. Like, she, that was her. She she felt the most authentic in this movie. Just uh, her showcase moment is uh, well, no mediga in the uh, salon. But Great. then when you come to um, Carnaval del Barrio, which is like a huge production number, um, it's like so much energy and the way that this like this block, this neighborhood has is so defeated in that moment. And she comes in and just like builds them up. And sounds amazing doing it. It's like Daphne Rubin is a star, and I mean we knew, but she's perfect in this part. In this part. Yeah, I also think that that song 
matched the energy of the opening number and it felt yes. great. Another standout in that song, Mr. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Lin himself, Lin himself. Passing the flag to Anthony. Oh, yes. Emotional. But also... He's never sounded better, and I no, mean no. that in all seriousness. When he sang Piragua on the bus, uh, never I, was in sh- I was shook. I was shook <laughs> at how good he sounded. Keep scraping by Piragua. Keep scraping by, keep scraping by. know my thoughts on Lynn's voice specifically in Hurricane on Hamilton like okay, but what we all know Dear Theodosia Also Dear Theodosia oh. <laughs> When he opened his Got mouth it. to sing in this movie I was like where did that voice come from honestly revive so in the heights and cast him as this as the <laughs> I thought he sounded really great the one thing is his presence was distracting to me oh, every time they shot to his mug I was like oh god it's Lynn <laughs> What I did love, though, is the inclusion of his parents in the movie. That little cameo was so sweet. It's it's Lynn's mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I think that maybe this is the reason that he was in every single trailer was to let you know, like, he's here. And I'm going to let you know now. He's the celebrity of this movie. Oh, yeah. It's like from the, the, the way they advertise it, they didn't mention basically any of the actors. They said from the creators of Hamilton, the director of Crazy Rich Asians, you know, the, the star is the property. The star is the writer, which mm-hmm. I love. I love when the star can be the writer. But, um, you know, they so they're always just like, and here's Lynn's little mug, you know, wheeling <laughs> a piragua cart. Here's his face again, just popping up. Um, it was interesting stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about another thing I didn't like? Let me complain some more. Yeah. Okay. The lottery ticket. We know someone, uh, the bodega sold a winning lottery ticket. We don't know who sold it. We're, that's what they're telling everyone at the pool. These are the lottery numbers. Check your tickets. Then that plot is kind of fully dropped until oh, yeah. right at the end. I forgot that we were looking my for a lottery at ticket. The end, my mom was like, wait, who won the lottery? Are we ever going to find that out? My mom has seen a, like, community theater production in the Heights still had no idea who won the lottery um I and that but and one thing I I didn't like and this is a lot of me complaining it's not exactly how it was on stage but I think that no, the but changes that's important. they made I think that the changes they made didn't improve they right. made it worse so in the movie Uznavi had already bought the bar in the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. whereas in the musical they find out who won the lottery much earlier and he finds out how much of the share of it he's going to get. And then he uses that money to buy the bar in the Dominican Republic. So I think it's important for me. It was important in the musical that he didn't have this opportunity. Then he's presented this opportunity and then he has to turn his back on it, at, not turn his back on it at the end, but decide actually, no, I want to stay here. Whereas in the in the movie, he gets. Didn't he put he, it into Sonny's trust fund? In the movie, the entire um, lottery winnings end up going to 
pay for uh, Sonny's immigration yes. because he's um, his parents brought him over. Mark Antony himself <laughs> brought him over. Um, that is, sorry, we just need to like comment quickly on that. <laughs> when they just shot up that man's arm, I'm like, who could this be? What is this reveal? And then was I actually Anthony. think that Mark Anthony like was told to lose weight for that role. That he he's, literally he's said one man. line for. Yeah, but he looked like super super skinny. He was scary in this movie. He yes. I was like, the, you know, you needed someone with impact for that one scene like you didn't want like, a rando and then you turn up and it's mark anthony and you're like you horrible man <laughs> oh imagine if jennifer lopez actually did play nina imagine <laughs> imagine him playing nina and then mark anthony playing danny you know, sunny's dad uh, still no that would never um, sunny's dad not a character in the musical um that's fine but i i just i i didn't like that in the mu in the musical on the stage version, the lottery ticket represents opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the movie, I it's mean, like he was already going to the Dominican Republic without the lottery. You know what yeah. I mean? So the choices were just different. I guess um, the argument is that it presents different opportunity for someone mm-hmm. else. Yes, and, and they added the fact that you know, Sonny being uh, a dreamer or a someone who wasn't in the United States legally, mm-hmm. which I was not in the original musical, I don't believe. And I'm like, okay, I understand. I understand doing that and also having, you know, Nina experience racism at at school. Um, but I just, I, these, by adding these kind of heavier topics on, I felt like some of the impact of the story was actually lessened. Well, it also, again, as we were saying, like the heavier topics being added on, they weren't developed. It was just like, mm, here it is. A throwaway, a throwaway moment. Yeah. And goodbye. I also feel like there was more of a relationship with Sonia and Nina than Nina and anybody else. And that also felt kind of strange. Yeah. Um, I um, do want to say, though, Sonny, played by Gregory Diaz, he was great. I really adorable. enjoyed what his a, performance. What a cutie. What yeah. a cutie. He was yeah. really good at this. Mm-hmm. Um, after I've complained, I don't think I have any more complaints. I'm sure I'll come up with some. <laughs> um, we have not really talked about the most important person in this movie, the star of this movie, Mr. Anthony Ramos himself. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yes, Chris Mr. Jackson, Frosty? obviously. <laughs> okay, um, go on. But Anthony Ramos um, giving, I think, the best performance in the movie, I have to say. He's great in this movie. I think he's really good in this movie. He really suits the the role of Usnavi. You, have you heard the story of, you know... Uh, the tap shoes I believe that Lynn told where he's like you know he wore these shoes and they never quite fit right and he was like pretty good at it but then he put the shoes away and then one day his son came and put the tap shoes on and they fit perfectly and he made the most beautiful sounds it's like that's what it was like for him to watch Anthony play Usnavi it's like oh you were always meant to be in this part you were you know this I wrote it for me but you're even better than what I could have imagined. Yeah. And I think he he's great in it. He has, I think, and this is, obviously, we've been Anthony fans since the birth of Hamilton. Obviously, Philip Let's Hamilton talk about his himself. performance in The Star is Born. Star yes, is born. as Lady Gaga's best friend, yes. <laughs> I don't remember his name, though, but yes. Me either, but he is a waiter at the restaurant, and he is also, like, in a prime spot to watch her sing Shallow for the first time. It's some great face acting. Um... Yeah, I think it's great to cast him in this movie because most of the world doesn't really know who he is. 
Um, he is not like a mainstream actor until I think after this movie because now he's going to be the lead in the next Transformers movie. So congrats, oh, he, Anthony. This boy is booked and busy. Okay, yes. he's in in treatment. He's in Transformers. Yeah. Um. It also, you know, because the Hamilton filmed version came out last year, so he's got recognition from that. Mm-hmm. Um. His character in A Star Is Born was named Ramon. If that okay. if that matters. It didn't really like <laughs> stick with me, so I guess it he wasn't was that in, important. He was in one episode of Younger as a character named Julio. I don't remember that. Was, I think it was like the first season where he scrubs Liza's um, online presence. Oh. that was. I'm going to have to go back. <laughs> We're going to go all the way back to season one. Yeah. Um, so something that I love about Lin is that he stays very um, connected with his people and loves to give his people opportunities and even though this was not offer only for anthony he did have to audition like everybody else obviously lynn was his dad in hamilton like they had a great relationship during that show and then in 2018 um anthony got to play usnavi at a kennedy center um in the heights and i think that is what really sold his performance um i think his acting is very good in this i think his voice is stellar it's so good he is when he raps you can hear everything that he says like i really love the tone of his voice and i just think that he looked like a star up there which is he's the main character like he should and i'm happy that he does and although we are probably losing him to the world of hollywood i do hope that he returns to stage at some point because he's so talented and he he can do it and i want to see more of him there's I think there's the one of the big reasons why Lynn is so loyal um, is because there is a learning curve to the style of rap that Lynn mm-hmm. writes, you know? Um, not that I'm a rapper, but whenever we do karaoke and I'm, like, rapping Jay-Z or something, my <laughs> friend like, you're not Lin-Manuel Miranda. Because, like, I've learned to, like, quote-unquote rap from listening to Hamilton. Hamilton so there's like, yeah. there's, like, a specific style, intonation that you can hear, and I think Anthony, like, is great. He really has, like, a great grasp of this musical style, the way, you know, certain singers have a great grasp grasp of certain composers I think Anthony has a really great understanding of how to wrap and like wrap his mouth around Lin-Manuel Miranda's phrases so I think yeah. you know it, it, doing Hamilton put him at an advantage to be able to interpret these lyrics set the record straight I'm stepping to Vanessa I'm getting a second date I'm home where it's a hundred in the shade but with patience and faith we remain unafraid I'm home you hear that music in the and also 21 chump street right they worked together yeah. as like that was i think anthony's probably maybe one of his I first think, projects i think it was one ever. of his first jobs in new york yeah yeah so there's a history there there's a relationship and i am happy that he again at the time like a decently unknown actor got the chance to star in this that was one of the very first um castings that we had heard and that was Mm -hmm. like very exciting at the time that anthony got the opportunity to play this huge role and as you said like he's booked and busy and probably will be for a long time that his star making role was in a project that i think probably had so much personal meaning to him right is like really really nice you know you get you get a motion for them yeah okay now to the real star chris jackson as mr frosty mr frosty um i do the think feud of a the feud of our lives the, the feud was great the and again scene. 
talking about loyalty, like Chris Jackson, the original Benny, like to bring him into mm -hmm. this movie. Also having Javi there. And also something else that I think is like super important to this movie, and also we can touch on West Side Story a bit here, is the amount of Latinx performers that were given the chance to be in a movie musical this year mm -hmm. is amazing. There is so many people in 96,000, in In the Heights, not so much in the finale. I feel like those are the two. Oh, the um, Carnival. Like, there are yeah. so many. Oh, the club, the dancing in the club. So many extras the club. that were I love the club. given the chance. Vanessa, yeah. da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said the, I, the, the in the club was where I felt step up you know in the, yeah. John Chu did not direct the first step up movie I know this no. but you know in the first step up movie where Channing Tatum goes and Jenna Dewan like knows the dance with everyone and they dance and he doesn't know the dance but then they all start doing the dance in the club that's what the club scene reminded me of just like this big and there's like spinning around her fantastic yeah um so to have i don't know probably like hundreds of performers get the opportunity to be a part of both in the heights and west side story both shot in 2019 on the streets of new york like what a fantastic opportunity for all of these dancers that now so many of them for 2020 have been out of work and have probably been waiting for both of these properties to come out <laughs> so they can like spot themselves Filmed them like two years ago at this point basically yeah. and we're just waiting for them to come out yeah the I, i'm just imagining the uh, scheduling conflicts because i would guess that a lot of uh, actors are overlapping in both projects. There, mm -hmm. there is like West Side or In the Heights. I feel like owes so much to West Side Story. There are just like pieces of DNA from West Side Story woven throughout um, In the Heights, and I like I can see it being a clear influence to to Lynn because I know that was a musical that you know growing up. It's like okay if I am a Latino man and I want to be in a musical there's one part for me to play a Latino mm -hmm. man and that's Bernardo so you can see him you know West Side Story being so important to the identity of then writing in the heights and I think it's kind of interesting that both movie adaptations end up coming out the same year I feel like when award season comes around it might be a little bit of a competition but I do think that like yeah in 2019 maybe like being able to cross the street and see your friends in like, in both movies like that's super cool and we'll never like that doesn't happen very often so it is really cool that 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 I, I am curious about award season actually i what do you I what know. do you think is going to happen there is an original song what's it called the credits uh, on home, right home all summer featuring mark anthony what I don't think I did. I listen to this song. Probably not. Well, I assume it was in the credits. Okay, I'm looking at the Apple Music um, track listing of the album, and then it goes number sixteen finale, number seventeen home all summer featuring Mark Anthony. Interesting. Well, that's why Mark I, Anthony cameoed this movie. I have zero <laughs> memories of this song. I have zero. Memories you know of why? This song. Because in the screening that we watched, it went directly to a slideshow. <laughs> did it? Oh, that was a really long slideshow. I was doing the trivia. Were you doing the trivia? I was doing the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Good. Um, uh, interesting. I was wondering this too because um, I don't think West Side Story has an original song. We'll find out later. Yeah. Um, but as it, we had said on the our last episode um so many movie musicals this year uh it is interesting that possibly for the first time in many years there will be actors from these movie musicals like in contention for awards which at least i don't even buzz. 
There's something yeah, like I don't even know the last time. Uh, I don't was Les Mis maybe. That's the last big one I feel. Yeah, in the, Into the Woods. Into the Woods. I don't know. Uh, like no Oscars for Into the Woods. Meryl. I don't think. For, yes, Oscar nominee 2015, Into the Woods. There you go. I can't believe. Th- I actually can't believe that. Okay, well, another then I person think, who wrapped her way to an Oscar win. Okay. Well, then I think anything could happen if <laughs> Meryl. Got, okay, I mean, it's Meryl. No one here is Meryl. No one here is Meryl. No offense. Okay. Honestly, honestly, I think um, Abuela Claudia. Olga has a chance for a supporting nomination. I really think so. I, th- I think that's a good call. I don't think anybody... We haven't even talked about Jimmy Smits. Oh, Jimmy Smits. There's <laughs> really not parents, much to say. <laughs> I watched this screening with my parents. My parents are like, so anyone we know in this movie? I'm like, Jimmy Smits. Like, anybody else? I'm like, no. no nobody. Um, again, uh, another person I feel like didn't really have much to do. They cut Kevin's song, Kevin Rosario's song. Um, inutile, useless. Yeah. Um, so. Which I think is, I thought was like a really important moment in the musical because it's like this is a man who immigrated, or not immigrated, sorry, moved from Puerto Rico to uh, New York to bring his daughter a better life. And he talks about what his father expected from him. And now mm-hmm. he is a father having expectations for his daughter and feeling useless that he is not able to provide or give her the opportunities or help her. And uh, by cutting that song, it's like, I feel like they cut out so much of the internal struggle of all these characters, all the like, interesting stuff about them. Um, you know, I, I'm sad. I'm just sad about like losing the nuance from a lot of these characters, from losing their identities. And for that reason, Jimmy Smiths will not be nominated for No, Oscar. no, there's not enough Jimmy Smiths. Not enough I Jimmy mean, Smiths. in a perfect world, I would love for Anthony to get a nomination. But I just think it depends on, like, what other movies come out this year, to be honest. But yeah, we, we need to be watching. We it is interesting. Watching. It is interesting for sure because, like, just to name them right now, we've got In the Heights. We've got... Tick, tick, boom. We've got Dear Evan Hansen. I don't really see any sort of award contention for everybody's talking about Jamie. Maybe a costume, but that's I, really it. I'm actually very hopeful for everybody's talking about Jamie. Okay, I well, let's am, put it on my hand then. This, this is the number one movie musical I'm excited for in 2021. Everybody's talking about Jamie. Yeah, and then five, the fifth one West is Side. West Side Story. Yeah. Um, Plus, you know, we're getting the film to come from away. We're getting the film. These are different, but the film come from yeah. away. The film Diana. You know, th- we are blessed in 2020. We are blessed. We I mean, both- not for everything, but for this. <laughs> Yes. Um, no, we did say off the mic that we could see an Andrew Garfield Tick Tick Boom nomination because yes. it just feels Award like it could love happen. Yeah, and I had well another here's Lynn the thing. project, a Lynn Manuel project, Tick, Tick, Boom. directorial debut. So yeah. that's exciting too. He Lynn could have a very successful um, award that season. Would, yeah, that I don't would think be they exciting. planned for those movies to come oh. out so close together. And also, isn't his animated movie coming out this year too? Oh, what's that one called? Something with a V. Vivo? 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 He's written the music for that. So he really could have a good Um, year. Vivo. Vivo. Yeah. Sony Pictures Animation's first ever musical adventure featuring all new original songs from Lin-Manuel Miranda will take audiences on an epic adventure to gorgeous and vibrant locations never before seen in animation. And The Little Mermaid. Right, that's is that 2021 or I don't know that one. I'm not sure. About, I feel like but he's still working filming on it. that. Yeah, he, but he's still he's working on that. We are we in a golden age of movie musicals? Um, we're getting so many. 
Maybe. I don't know if it's golden, but we're, we're really getting a lot. Like, what is the, what do you think is behind this resurgence in movie musicals getting actually filmed? Because well, there's always like, it's in production, it's in development, but like, they're happening right now. I was going to say like theater being non-existent for the last year and like the cr- the need that so many people had to sit in a live audience. But so many of these movies had been like pre-production the, announcements like in the works for years. They were in years. the pipeline As we already. know, like Wicked Movie has been in the works for 15 years. Yes. So but what's, what is, a, is it about it that's making them actually happen and not being stuck in like development purgatory for 100 years? I Honestly, I think it's people like Lynn that are a part of that both worlds like he's in both worlds Mm. and he is someone that now is like a household name in movies just as much as he is in musicals and someone like him to be the champion for upcoming movie musicals like take my money i will see every single one of them like get i don't know like the exposure this is something that like i feel like i've wanted this for years is for other people to like feel (laughs) the feelings that we have when we watch these these things on stage and to know that like five major movies are coming out this year is so exciting to me and i hope that it continues i don't know that we'll get five every year because that's a lot no that's a lot but um we weren't supposed to get five this year we're supposed to get two last year um and three this year but i do think that we will do an oscars episode when the time comes because it again this has never happened um all of these musicals coming out at least in our lifetime um and to be so excited about I don't, to be excited about an award show again that's not the Tony Awards I know. is great. <laughs> I know. It's going to be a fun year. I'm hoping, you know, the Oscars this year um, were not very musical. But with all this happening this year, I hope that means we get performances of the Oscars next year. Yeah. You know, um, we get people singing something from In the Heights or uh, dancing do it for West Side Story. I hope we like feature some of the choreography in these in these movies of the of the telecast. You know, I've talked about him before, but Christopher Scott loved what he did here, working on the work that Andy Blankenbuehler did in the original musical. Um, really gorgeous stuff. Final thoughts on In the Heights before we head over to Obsessions. I wanted it to be better than it was. I also feel like if I had seen it on a big screen, I might feel slightly more positively about it. And Mm -hmm. look, I spent like an hour just trashing this movie. I actually, it brought me a lot of joy. It really did. Um, But I, there are just a lot of things that they changed that uh, made it worse and not better. And I know Mm -hmm. you have to change things to fit the medium, but I felt like it was at the expense of the heart of the story. I was going to say, I think this movie deserves a big screen. And I am someone that doesn't really care to go to the movie theater. I know that you love going to the movie theater for that like escapism. Certain things I think you need to see at the movie theater because you need to be fully immersed in them. And I think this is one of those ones that all I've been thinking of is like, this is a movie that deserves the movie theater. And I'm sad that it's not going to get the full release that it deserves. Yeah, it's also a movie that I think deserves, one, the big screen, but two, the communal experience, which is what you would get at the movie theater. And also like that we were hoping to get at the drive-in, but we are going to watch it in one of our backyards to get that communal experience on a 
slightly big screen, not a very <laughs> big screen. But I am, again, I think we say this at the end of like every time we dive into a movie that's been turned, or a musical that's been turned into a movie is I'm happy it was made and I'm happy yeah. that so many people will get to see this. And if this is your first venture into the movie musical world, I think it's a pretty good one. So it is an enjoyable movie. I am excited to see it again. And I feel like yeah. I might have... Um, a bit of a different opinion after seeing it the second time. I feel like this is a movie that I might go back to a lot. You know, it might be one of those just like ones, throw it oh, on, just throw it on the TV. You know, the music is fun, the visuals are fun, like a, a fun movie to just like relax to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I do think we, we, I think we came across really negative in this episode, and I stand by every single thing that I said. <laughs> but I don't want people to get the wrong idea that I hated this movie. I really didn't. I, I. Like, it brought me so much joy, but I also And also, we're, like, two opinions of the, like... Yeah, who cares about it's the It's 98% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So there mm. are people that love this movie, found so much joy in this movie. I do think very joyful. Again, aspects that we loved, aspects that we didn't. If anything, to take away from this movie, go listen to that original cast recording because it's fantastic. But I'm also yes. so excited to hear the movie soundtrack because I... Like we had said, I think, when we were texting about this movie, like, give us Daphne Rubin-Vega on that cast recording. Like, I want to hear her sing those songs again. So the music is the best takeaway from this movie as it is in the musical. So, yeah, I think that wraps up our thoughts on In the Heights. Um, I am excited to see it again. I We would love to know if you guys have seen In the Heights. Um, this is opening weekend when this episode ha- is being released. So um, if you get to see it, uh, let us know. We would love to hear your thoughts. And with that being said, it is now time for our obsession of the week. Okay, so my obsession is a little bit of a different one. Um, you know, when you host a musical theater podcast... People like to text you about musicals. And so I'm about to share some texts from my friends after watching Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Oh, wow. This is fun. <laughs> this is a text from my friend Vanessa, who I love. Uh, what a fitting episode to speak about her. She texted me earlier this year. I'm somewhat ashamed to say that before last night, I had never seen Hamilton. Heard some of the music, yes, but not actually seen it when I played it for her in my car. But now I completely understand why you love it so much. It's completely brilliant. Um, She said, it's definitely an artistic and literary masterpiece. Wow. Um, And then I asked her, and then I asked her, because I was like, you know, I'm actually curious because she's someone who goes to see musicals, obviously not at the same uh, passion and obsession level as us, but, you know, goes to see musicals with people. You know, we talk about them a bit after. And I asked her, does having seen the Disney Plus film version make you more or less likely to see it on stage when you can. Because, mm-hmm. like, th- this is my case study, you know? And she yeah. says, I'm not sure, because she's already seen it, but she really liked it, so maybe she might see it in person. But also now she feels like she's seen it. So, right. you know, especially because Hamilton was ripped away from the Toronto crowd um, <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic. So, um, you know, she said... And like just more thoughts from her because I really think this is interesting stuff to hear. She said yeah. it's a bit tough to follow. You have to pay attention, but it fits so well with this cast. It's really well done. Um, so she's wondering with a different group of people on stage, would it be the same? And because if it's not, and then you record and televise a version, and whatever version you see isn't as good, now people are going to be disappointed. So and you know then I talked about you know our different casts that we've seen, but I was just you know this is 
you know, a case study, an interesting text. And I really, you know, you get these texts when you have a musical theater podcast. I have one one more from my friend Crizia. My God, this is the best musical I've ever seen. My deepest apologies for not giving the soundtrack the time of day four years ago when I played it in the car for her. So my obsessions today, my friends Crizia and Vanessa texting me after they see Hamilton on Disney Plus for the first time and being like, oh, Steph, you're not insane. It's actually really good. So thank you for validating me. That's great because when Hamilton was released on Disney Plus, I also, like as the resident musical theater person at my place of work. Did you get lots of texts? Yes, got lots of texts. (laughs) And also when Hamilton opened in Toronto, as you said, ripped away from us. But there was a time period there when like, it was 2020, but we were still working in person. Um, It was people hearing about the hype, like, should I buy tickets, asking me for opinions. I'm like, no one ever asked me for any other opinions on anything (laughs) else except for Hamilton and Dear Evan Hansen, the two like main shows when they came to Toronto. When you publicly do this, when you (laughs) are like how we are, everyone's like, I have to tell her what I thought. (laughs) In my case, when I like go to New York four times a year and only see shows. And everyone who follows you on Instagram is like, oh, Tara. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yes, got lots of texts, appreciated that. But it's interesting um, with what Vanessa said about like, would it feel the same seeing, like, do you need to see it um, on stage? When you said that, my mind immediately went to Diana, do we need to see this musical on stage? It's going to be the same cast, which is interesting because Hamilton, obviously, like it was the original cast. That original cast has never has not performed since 20 whatever 16. Diana is literally coming out October 2nd with the cast that will then open on Broadway in November 2nd. So and I hate to say it, but Hamilton, as we said, Pulitzer Prize winning best musical winning, (laughs) you know, literary genius masterpiece if these words can be thrown around and they have been i don't think diana's gonna fall into that same category you know what really you know the way i've seen hamilton on stage three times i don't think i'm gonna need to jump to see diana well maybe i will but for different reasons (laughs) (laughs) we didn't need to jump to see it before the netflix was um announced and now that but again event of the season we cannot wait we will be doing an episode yeah, 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 on Diana. Yeah. truly everybody's talking about jb movie i'm actually seriously really excited about that but the diana netflix uh filmed version uh like i'm pulsating with excitement I yeah but this was my original um thoughts which we have not even discussed publicly on this podcast yes guys broadway is reopening like <laughs> I know. it's september it is happening and we are now learning more and more every week about like all of these different shows that are opening we're here in Ontario and we're just laughing from across the border. That's not yep. happening anytime soon here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when I think about uh, like a come from away as well, um, that is, again, it will be the original cast. Um, it is going to be back on Broadway. I think that's a totally different case because that musical obviously has been on stage. It's very beloved in yeah. both Canada and the States and across the world. But no one knows what we're in for with Diana yet. So to think that this Netflix movie could make ticket sales go up, I think is very bold thinking. We'll see it when we see it. <laughs> it's questionable. It's a questionable decision. Yeah. Okay, Tara, what is your obsession? So my obsession this week is um, another new musical that I've actually been listening to uh, 
over the course of the last couple months. Um, it is called In Pieces. It is written by Joey Contreras. Um, I have listened to a couple of his songs that have come out like over the years. One that stands out to me is Break From The Line, which is Natalie Weiss and Taylor Louderman. Um, this musical is a song cycle. Um, it is all of his different um, songs that he has written and he has put a narrative to them. So it is based on his personal stories. It follows um, eight different indi individuals. They all live in New York and it's about love and falling in love. And my obsession this week is me and Mr. Popularity sung by none other than Andrew Barth Feldman. We recently talked about him on our last episode. He is a voice that obviously I recognize very quickly. Um, this song, I think we, we've talked about him off and on on this podcast. I think we'll actually get to discuss more about his career when we do an episode on the Jimmy Awards. So look out for that this summer. Um, but he, I think he has a good voice. Um, I think that there are songs that suit him better than others and this song really fits in his sweet spot. It's about a nerdy kid that is looking to fit in and then finds a friend through tutoring. He sounds really good in it. I really enjoy it but um, also on this cast recording, super random, David Archuleta. Like, where did you come oh, from? Oh, <laughs> missed you, Archie. Missed you. Right? Another song that I really like is uh, called This Is Not Me, which is sung by George Salazar. And I feel like we it's been a minute since we've heard him on a cast recording. And he has such an interesting tone to his voice. So it is nice to hear him again. But Me and, Mo me and Mr. Popularity was released before the album. I was obsessed with it when it came out. And now that this album is out, like, I listen to it all the time. I love this song. Back then that me and Mr. Popularity would be spending more time to see because he needed a tutor for computer science. But that was way back then. Now we talk and laugh again and again. And really, I think him and me. Becoming friends. And there's an accompanying music video. I really love that these people are now doing like these new concept albums with accompanying music videos. It's Digital really great. Content. Digital yeah. content to reach the teens, but also us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and there was also a filmed version of In Pieces, which I did not get to see in London. They like went somewhere in London, took this song cycle, filmed it and put it out to the masses. So great. I love that these things are happening. And honestly, even though Broadway is reopening, theaters reopening, I kind of hope that there's a bit of a happy medium with these digital um, performances as well, because it gives you the opportunity for us that can't get to New York anytime soon to have the opportunity to see some of these like super talented people put out this really great work. So my obsession this week in pieces, specifically me and Mr. Popularity, it's great. Give it a listen. Well, something like in pieces might not even get a big in a normal time might not even get a big stage version. So it's probably reaching more people this way than it might have reached in a normal time. Yeah, it's also like Ben Finkhauser is, is on the cast recording. Natalie Weiss is on the cast recording. Um, obviously, ABF is on the cast recording. Like there's so many different people that reach different audiences, which is really smart. I think that's a really smart way to go about doing a concept album is to pick and choose people that um, 
are part of like big fan bases. I think of like George Salazar with Be More Chill, ABF obviously Dear Evan Hansen, Ben Fankhauser has like the Newsies crowd. And yeah. you've got like the Natalie Weiss is like kind of making a career for herself on TikTok right now. We've also got like Sole Pfeiffer who is reaches a whole a different community. She's phenomenal. So I think it's a really smart choice. And this is sort of what I was talking about uh, last episode too with Breathe, the new musical, picking and choosing all of these different people that their performances reach so many different audiences yet bring everybody together in the same place. And that's what theater is. And I love that we're getting it on this online digital format. So yeah, I really hope that this stuff continues so that we can see these things like come up and I don't know, like maybe maybe one of these digital projects will turn into an onstage show one day Mm. and to see its life on stage would be really cool so yeah um that's our obsessions you've heard us literally talk all over the place for this episode (laughs) diana got way more airtime than it probably should have and um if you want to listen to any of our other episodes make sure that you are subscribed to our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and we would really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review on itunes and you can follow us on twitter and instagram at off to be away podcast that's the number two and let us know what you thought of in the heist you get to get to go to a theater to see it let us know. I know. That's really the most like interesting part is anybody that's listening to us that's not in Canada and can actually go see a movie in a theater, like please Tell let us, us know about this experience. It. Yes, exactly. We cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this movie. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.